Good evening. When Robinson Crusoe was shipwrecked on the deserted island, he made two lists. The bad list and the good list. He said evil things on the island and good things on the island. On the evil side, he was a castaway all alone. But on the good side, he was alive. On the evil side, he was far from all humankind and far from all human society. But on the good side, he wasn't starving. On the bad side, he had no change of clothes. But on the good side, it was a warm tropical area and he didn't need clothes. On the evil side, he was without defense. But on the good side, he had not observed any animals that seemed to be uh, a danger to him. On the evil side, there was no one to speak to. But on the good side, the tide had brought his sunken ship close enough to the shore that he could go and get the supplies he needed. So he concluded that he was in one of the most miserable situations he could possibly be in, but there were still positive things to find. How about you? Can you do that? Do you see things in life to be thankful for? Because what we know is there are opportunity after opportunity to be upset, to be miserable. We have temptations that we're faced with. We have stresses that come to us at every turn and storms that happen in everyone's life. And living right doesn't exempt you at all. No matter how good of a person you are, you're going to have these kinds of struggles. You're going to have tests. You're going to have trials. Even praying doesn't guarantee that they'll go away. We see that with Jesus. We see that with Paul. The writer of Hebrews lists men and women of great faith. And among that list in Hebrews chapter 11 were those who were tortured and flogged and stoned and sawed in two and stabbed with a sword. They died. He says the world was not worthy of them. Sometimes we try to use our faith to control our circumstances. And that's okay. Even the Lord did that. He prayed. What if God says no? Then we use our faith to control ourselves in that difficult time. The Apostle Peter wrote these words in 1 Peter 1, chapter 6, from the New Living Translation, to encourage people who are going through a difficult time. And I think it continues with our thought this morning about hope. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though it's necessary for you to endure many trials for a while. So maybe you're dealing with an illness, or maybe you're struggling financially, or maybe you're having a difficult time emotionally with some things going on, or maybe just spiritually you're flat, or or you're struggling with doubt. Maybe you're just not sure of anything good in life. You ever have days like that, or weeks like that? Whatever you're dealing with, know that God has promised, as Peter says, wonderful joy ahead I came across this this verse this week as I was studying especially this uh, the way the New Living Translation renders it and this phrase I just couldn't get beyond wonderful joy ahead I want to make a parallel you ever been whitewater rafting you know how incredibly fun that is and you also know how incredibly dangerous it is and so the two go hand in hand it's not time to coast It's not a time to ignore instructions. It's for sure not a time to rebel. When you're a whitewater raptor and you pay attention, 
and you do what you're told. I mean, that's part of it. That's how you come out of it alive. And that's what makes it fun is when you do all of that. Once I was with a youth group, Whitewater Raft, and one of the teen girls fell into the water. I mean, that happens when they weigh the boat. It wasn't her fault. It's just, it happened. And it was amazing to see those guys that I wasn't sure that I could trust. They became amazing lifesavers, reeled her in like a fish. It was amazing, and my respect for them grew. She did what she was told, though. She followed directions as well. The rapids were fun, but they were also dangerous. If you're paying attention, it could be a blast. We live in a very troubled world, full of struggles and temptations, and it's good to know that we're not the only ones in the boat. You join other believers, and you realize that there's others who have a living hope in Jesus Christ. And so together we look forward to being with each other and encouraging each other and helping each other. And we've got this hope that is beyond this world. So I want to make just two comparisons in our lesson tonight. Kind of what we're after, but just really with, with life in general, about how you navigate the troubles. And the first one is this, you can't ignore it. You can't ignore it. Once you are out there in the boat, there's no turning back. Even if you wanted to get to the side... You might have to go through a few rapids first because the rapids are coming. You can't wish them away. You, can't you have to paddle through. Now, if you've been whitewater rafting, you know there's different classifications of, of the rapids. Uh, levels one and two, uh, you kind of equate that to like a lazy river. Those are the easy ones. Those are when it's kind of calm. Those where you don't really have to pay attention. Sometimes they'll even let you get out of the boat and you can swim because there's not a current. And it's deep enough that the water's smooth. And so that's enjoyable. But level three, things begin to change a little bit. There are narrow passages since the boat tossing a little bit. The adrenaline gets going some. Everybody's in the boat. You can't swim at this time. It's a little more exciting. And then level four, the rapids are even more difficult. They last longer. They're more turbulent. It takes coordinated paddling. You need a professional guide at this point. You can't just do it with, on your own. You need help. Your heart's racing. Level five is scary. But it's fun scary if you've done it. The, the rapids are, are longer. They're more complex. There's twisting. There's turning. The adrenaline is rushing. But the guides give you instructions. They tell you how to maneuver. They tell you if you fall out of the boat, they'll say swim to the left because there's rocks to the right. Maybe on down the river, they might say, swim to the right because there's an undertow on the left that might get you. And so you need to avoid that. The guy will also give instructions of paddle. And, and you go over this before, and, it's really, and you learn pretty quickly because they'll tell you if you're doing it wrong. They might say, uh, uh, what you're doing there, left two. That means those on the left side of the boat, two strokes. Or they might say, everybody. And that means everybody, you're paddling for your life, and you don't stop until they tell you to stop. And there's times where they tell you to get in the boat and you hold your paddle and you hold your paddle because if you don't, it's going to hit somebody. And you don't want to hit somebody or be hit. And there's that moment when you're in the boat and that water is just gushing all around on both sides. Sometimes you're down and the water's up. You ever been whitewater rafting? It's, a, it's an amazing experience. But if you don't do it right, it can really be bad. You can lose somebody. The boat can capsize. And you realize that God is telling you what to do. Well, I think the same thing is true in life. You can't ignore the things around you. You need to pay attention. Sometimes life is like 
rapids one and two and you're just coasting. It's like the lazy river and it's not that big of a deal. But hang on, because if you've lived long enough, you know that trouble is right around the corner. Or here comes some rapids. And you cannot just ignore things. Three things to put on your study guide there. You can't ignore temptations. You can pray about it, but you can't ignore them. They're going to come and they're going to keep coming. You don't get to an age spiritually or even just with age where, where that's not a problem. You can't ignore temptations. You can't ignore a struggle. Again, you can pray about a struggle. You can have friends to help you. But you can't turn a blind eye to it. You can't ignore a pain or a hurt. Sometimes we try to do just that, though. Think I'm tough. I'm going to grin and bear it and pretend like I'm not hurting. I want to talk about all three of these for a few moments because I think, I think sometimes we think if we ignore it long enough, it'll go away or it won't be a problem anymore. And that's just not true, especially when it's about sin. King David wrote this in Psalm 32, verse 3. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. One version translates that there was a time when I refused to confess my sin that made me weak and miserable and I groaned all day long with frustration. So ask yourself a question. What am I pretending not to know? Or what struggle am I not dealing with in my life I'm ignoring? Or, or what, what pain am I not giving attention? Or, or what sin am I not confessing? And why do we pretend? Why do we pretend like it's not there at all? Psalm 32 tells us, you know, just admit it when you've blown it. Confess it when you've sinned. Don't pretend like it's not there. But how do you know when you're ignoring a problem? Well, I think it's when you refuse to talk about it. Or maybe when you procrastinate about it. One of these days I'm going to go to the dentist. One of these days I'm going to go to the doctor and have that checked out. Checked out. One of these days I'm going to get some counseling. One of these days I'm going to talk to somebody about my problem. We always procrastinate when it's painful. It's a fact of life. It's what we do. But it's also going against what God instructed us to do. And notice what happens. The Bible says it makes us miserable. When you're harboring sin, when you're not confessing, when you're not dealing with the trouble, it is no way to live. And when you ignore a problem or a pain, a minor problem becomes a big problem. When you ask for God's help or you talk to someone, you know you can trust them. And by your actions, you're paddling through the rapids, if you will. Again, heeding Peter's words, Be truly glad there's wonderful joy ahead, even though it's necessary for you to endure many trials for a while. And then number two, don't run from it. Don't run from it. Have you learned this lesson in life yet? Don't run from it. Some people do this in every area of life. they got a problem at work. They'll ask for a transfer, go to another department, or maybe just quit the job and get a whole other job. Or maybe they have a, a trouble with a friend, and so they'll start hanging out with other friends. Or if they have trouble with church, they'll just go to another congregation. Seems like a solution, but not really. Because you're running away from the problem. You're not really solving the problem. I've lived in towns like Columbia where there's a congregation basically on every corner, as we like to say where it's easy for people to change from one congregation to another. And I think sometimes that's good. That can be healthy. It can be the right decision. I remember telling a friend one time years ago, not at this church, but another time, I said, you need to go. They were miserable. They weren't content with where the church was. And I said, you're not going to be happy. So I think there's times for that. But there's other times where we can run away from a problem. In Coleman, Alabama, where we lived for nine years, there was not another congregation. 
to hop to. And so whenever there was a problem or a difficulty with somebody or a decision or the leadership, you couldn't run away. You had to deal with it. And what I noticed in facing the issue, the people grew spiritually. It wasn't easy. It wasn't always pleasant. But the people matured. They searched the Scripture and they studied. They had to work through the issue or the challenge. It was good. It's healthy. That's what happens in other mission parts when you don't have another church to hop to. It wasn't running away. Listen to Psalm 55, verses 6 through 8. I think you can relate to this. I think we all can. I said, oh, that I've had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter far from the tempest and storm. I just want to get away. I just want to run away. I want to fly away. How many times have we felt just like that? You're facing a difficulty and you don't want to deal with it. Did you know by law, for public buildings, exterior doors are required to open outward? Did you notice that? Now think about it. Next time you go into a store, a public building, church building, the doors open outward. And there's a reason why. Because in a time of moment, in a time of panic, it needs to open with the flow. In fact, I was, I was just verifying that. I had read that and I thought, is that true? And I started thinking about all the different places. One source that I read says it's moving with the force of the mob. It kind of says it, doesn't it? It's moving with the force of the mob. You can't avoid the rapids. You have to learn to paddle through. Have you noticed that we hate to admit when we have strong feelings about something? Are you that way? Whether we, you know, something good, you know, or, or not. You really like that, don't you? Oh, it's all right. And we kind of downplay it. Or someone says, are you angry about that? No, I'm not angry. No big deal. And then they leave the room and goes, I'm so mad about that. Do you ever find yourself doing that? Or when we hurt, you know, does that bother you? No, it doesn't bother me. And it does bother you. Or couples play that there's something wrong, isn't there? No, nothing's wrong. Yes, there is, I can tell. No, no, nothing's wrong. I can tell something's wrong. We play those games. There are times when life just gets tough. A project, a season, a difficulty, so many demands, so much stress. And then it's just like the next person that comes in, they just push the button and it just, it just spills all over everybody. You're not helping yourself get through the problem by running away or hiding. Maybe you heard about the two men that were talking. The first man says, I don't worry about my problems. I don't even think about them. And the second man says, well, how do you do that? This is crazy. How do you not worry? And he says, well, I hired a professional worrier. He does all my worrying for me. I pay him to worry about my problems, so I don't worry about anything. The man said, that's incredible. How much does that cost? He said, well, it's $100,000 a year. He said, how are you going to pay for that? He said, I'm not worried about it. That's his problem. <laughs> Would you worry... I say when you worry, because I think we all do, even though Jesus tells us not to. Have you noticed it increases the size of the problem? The more you dwell on it, the more you rehearse it. Somebody criticizes you, somebody dumps on you, you just dwell on it, and you dwell on it, you rehearse it over and over again. The more you rehearse it, the more you repeat it in your mind. It's not my problem. It's not my opinion. It's what the psalmist said. Look at Psalm 73, verse 21 and 22. 
when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered. Your spirit ever been embittered? I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Isn't that true? That happens, doesn't it? When you are grieved, when your spirit is embittered, you're senseless, you're ignorant, a brute beast. One version says, when my thoughts were bitter and my feelings were hurt, I did not understand you. Bitterness does that to you. When you get so wrapped up in your hurt, your pain, it's one of the first things that can happen in, in any relationship, in a marriage, with children, with friends, at work, at church. Whenever there's hurt or bitterness that's buried, it can result in misunderstanding because you're not listening anymore because of what's going on with you. Regardless of why you're hurting, there's something even worse than that, though, and that's resentment. When you're resentful of that hurt, so much worse. It, compl- it clouds the issues. It keeps you from having joy. So instead, remember Peter's words here. So be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead, even though it's necessary for you to endure many trials for a while. The past can't hurt you any longer unless you let it. Unless you keep going back to it. Letting it control you. Never getting over it. Resentment, bitterness, anger, hurt, it never changes the past. Instead, if you fill in the blanks, here's the last one. Start looking to that wonderful time of joy ahead. That's how you do it. Don't give up. Maybe you've been carrying a burden of hurt for so long. I would say, think about that. Why are you doing that? We get caught up in it. King David wrote a most powerful truth in Psalm 32. Just the two verses before the one we read earlier. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and whose spirit there is no deceit. What a beautiful truth in Scripture. I've used as our theme verse Peter's words. There's a, another verse in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 5, that's similar. It's not the same, but it's similar. And for me, it has a very special meaning. Do you have verses that for you it, was, it became special? Uh, maybe at somebody's funeral, it was a, a verse that was used, or maybe a special moment, or maybe it was a verse that was uh, shared at your wedding. This verse, 1 Peter 5.10, was given to see in me by one of her children. When Celia received her diagnosis. It was early on. And we didn't know what was coming. Look at 1 Peter 5.10. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. After you've suffered a little while. Will himself restore you. Making you strong. Firm. And steadfast. Isn't that a great promise? The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Let's pray. God, we call on your name as our God, our maker, our creator. Lord of heaven and earth, and we acknowledge that you are God. Father, we do get discouraged. We do see so many difficulties in this life.
And it takes our focus off of you. And Father, we confess that. Father, I pray that you would help each of us as we've listened to Peter's words tonight to be able to be truly glad and to acknowledge there is wonderful joy ahead even though it's necessary for us to endure many trials for a while. God, some of those trials we're going to work through in this life and you're going to see to it that that we're restored and we'll be strong and firm and steadfast. And there may be some that, that we never move past like those amazing men and women in the 11th chapter of Hebrews who died for their faith. This world is not worthy of them. Father, we pray that you will help us to be focused, to not let these circumstances, these issues, to cloud our faith. Help us to be truly glad. It's through Christ we pray. And amen. If we can pray for you in any way, if tonight you would like to confess Jesus as Lord and put him on a baptism, we always have the water ready. Won't you come as we stand?